0: Welcome, my name is Kareem Kanji, and this is episode 55. Today, joining me in studio is the curator of the Friday Rock Debates, Randy Matheson. Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session.
1: Brookfield Brookfield is uh, I probably right in the very center of Nova Scotia it's like if you know where Truro is and not many people do yeah uh, it's 10 miles from there 10 it's kilometers maybe 10 kilometers from there you, so there's no ocean near Brookfield there's no ocean I mean there is a brook a in, brook in a field <laughs> <laughs> thats very innovative name it's about 45 minutes from Halifax. Okay, so it's a drive to it's the right sh- on the highway, right on the highway.
0: Oh, there you go. So if it's not snowing, then it might be simple
1: yes, to uh, get to. It's usually snowing in Halifax while while it's freezing rain in Halifax. It's one of those maritime things if you wait twenty five minutes or twenty minutes, fifteen minutes, whatever the the weather changes. Yeah, it changes.
0: Ah. And is it usually for the good,
1: for the bad? It's usually for the bad. It's <laughs> But the sun always comes out.
0: That's nice. Well, I mean, I, I went to Halifax maybe a couple of years now. Um, maybe springtime, maybe fall. Uh, but beautiful. Just a beautiful town. Uh, not
1: so huge. Oh, not it's a perfect s- size for uh, a small city, I guess. Yeah. And it only became cool after I left. It only... <laughs> <laughs> Which is why you are still... Here in the, I want to say, Greater Toronto Area. Yeah. So as soon as I leave Toronto, it'll become cool. well.
0: Now you're not actually in Toronto. I mean, we are. You're in Toronto now. Well, it's
1: like when I say I'm from Halifax. I wasn't really from Halifax. I'm from outside Halifax. I've always been used to like a 40 minute commute into work. So. Uh, I've been in Mississauga and uh, now in Hamilton.
0: Now in Hamilton. the Hammer, as they call it. Uh,
1: the Hammer probably would be more, wouldn't be really descriptive of the neighborhood I'm in, which is a little more neighborhoody. So it's a little more so it's a ha- nice. little more hammery as you go into the downtown.
0: Okay, so how would you describe your neighborhood now, where you live?
1: Uh, elderly people with a lot of trees,
0: <laughs> which can be. I a don't know good if thing. what that says about me. So so it's not. <laughs> You like trees, is what it it's, says. It's,
1: well, that most of the leaves are in my yard now, and I never really imagined I'd be raking so many leaves. Leave it on the ground. They're meant to stay there. Uh, this Nutrients. Was, this is more ground. like a knee-high drift in my driveway. Oh, my goodness, so of was, leaves. Something had to be done with it. These are massive trees. Uh, on other people's property, yes. Oh, from your tree. Uh, other people have the trees. I have the leaves. You have the
0: <laughs> That is funny. Um, listen, you. some people call you like a, a, a musical curator. Um, and, and I want to talk a lot
1: uh, about music uh, with you. Um, well, I think I aspire to be an expert. I, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm the curator. I always uh, had visions of myself as that uh, DJ, that midnight DJ, the, the Dr. Johnny Fever type, uh, yeah. type thing going.
0: Well, I think you know what you know. Some people have asked me, you know, how did you get into podcasting? Um, and for me, it was. You know, so for me, growing up, um, radio uh, was a huge part of my life. Yeah, same here. Uh, for two Christmases in a row, my dad got my brother and I transistor radios. Right. Um, I remember having a a Sony Sport Walkman. Um, I've, I've had many Walkmans. Uh, uh, I've had many radio players, uh, FM radio players. So, so music was was huge, um, and. I fell in love with people like Tom Rivers, Mike Cooper, who, I mean, today, I don't know if they're both on the radio today anymore, um, but they used to be rock DJs mm-hmm. back on 680 when 680 was a top 40 music station. And on AM too, right? <laughs> on AM, right? See, I remember having that, um, the sticker, you know, CFTR 680, the, I think it was yellow and yellow, black and blue, something like that. Um, and I just loved how they would be able to um, promo a song right up until the the singer would start singing. So they play, the music would start, the song would begin, um, but it's right before the singer would say the first words of the song, they would stop. And I said, that's like magic.
1: Yeah, I always wondered how they did that. And I think after you listen to a song for a thousand times, you kind of know when, you it, kinda when, know when, it, when comes it comes in, right?
0: Yeah. But I think I fell... I was attracted to them, and I really love that. And and it never occurred to me that you know that that's something that you could do, you know, for for a career. So it was never something that I ever thought of outside of really enjoying uh, radio. But you know, over t- as times change, um, you know, less and less listening to the radio for music, mm-hmm. and now really listening to radio. I don't know how your um, experience with the radio today is but for for us in my family it's um cbc 99.1 in the morning mm-hmm. uh, we played in the morning we wake up and you
1: know first one to turn on the radio that's the station yeah once i'm in the car i'm listening to cbc metro morning
0: yeah yeah absolutely um, At least
1: for the first fifteen minutes, and then there, i think there's another radio station that has a great contest on every morning. I'll flip over to that for the contest, <laughs> and then I'll flip right back after that to hear what's going you try, on. You try
0: to win the big trip to Jamaica, and then you come back for the
1: yeah. for the talk. I got a, yeah for the the highbrow stuff. So I got about half an hour in the car this morning, and each morning, and that's before I switch to the podcast on the Go Train.
0: Yeah, but that's that's what what I do. It's it's in the morning, and then you know there's some CBC uh, radio shows that, that are also available as podcasts. Uh, that we would listen to, you know, intermittently throughout the week as we're in the car going back mm-hmm. and forth, you know. Because um, usually when I'm in the car, there's, all, there's always, most of the time, someone else with me. If there's no one else with me, I'm listening to podcasts.
1: Yeah, me too. The podcasts that uh, myself and, and Merlene, my, my partner, listen to or tech, tend to be around TV shows they're watching. So we'll listen to the, the analysis of the recent Game of Thrones episode or something like wow. that. Right now, we're listening to a lot of uh, Westworld analysis podcasts.
0: How was that TV show?
1: Uh, TV shows is fantastic We have no idea what's going on uh, they're revealing <laughs> a little bit at a time uh, I, uh, don't worry about spoilers because I don't know what's going on yeah but Anthony Hopkins is awesome He's in that show <laughs> yeah TV. okay
0: um, but yeah that's you know I'm consuming radio very differently um, you know we were talking you know in the bar before we came in studio you know when it comes to music you know if, if my son's in the car he wants to listen to 99.9. Uh, If I want to listen to music in the car, fine, I'll throw it up on Indie 88 or CFNY or Q107 um, or Radio Station in Your Hood 107.9. But I'll switch it more often than not if I actually am not familiar with the song, so I'm not discovering music anymore.
1: I'm switching all the time, or if there's two commercials in a row, I'm off. I'm off onto the next station. They'll play a couple of good tunes, and you know, yeah. I'll just keep switching along. Yeah. The only time I would listen to anything constant is when I had a serious subscription for a couple of years, and then I'd I would tune into the, you know, whatever the type of music I want to listen to that day, whether it's like a metal station or it might even be pop or an alternative station. It might, it might even be the, the, the boss station that plays nothing but Bruce Springsteen all day. Oh, my and, goodness. And I would just listen to that for an entire drive rather than switching around. Again, no commercials, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you subscribe to to Sirius?
1: Well, we actually had a subscription to Sirius through our our. When we bought the the Subaru that we actually purchased because they had they they actually have Sirius available for the first six months free with ah. the Subaru purchase yeah uh, does that give me anything for Subaru <laughs> <No>? <laughs> uh, but yeah we don't don't have it now, but we had it at that time we had considered uh, subscribing to it but it, it just ended up being too difficult and uh, it was just it was just weird it was it almost seemed like a gym membership that we would never get out of oh, and you'll never use right <laughs> so, uh, while we were using it all the time as long as we were driving in the car uh, it, it made, made ah. sense right but I, you could also use it at home too there was a combined subscription so you could you know listen to it all day at work or something like that mm-hmm. uh, but again we didn't see a lot of value in it and the subscription models are really hard to figure out
0: yeah there, were, there was a band before we came here called Neon Dreams and someone was telling me that they had they, one of their songs has three million plays on Spotify and I said well what does that mean in cash I said, well,
1: not, not much <laughs> it's like a, a dime
0: yeah that's crazy <laughs> Can you imagine being played like 20, 30 years ago, being being played on the radio 3 million times?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what the royalties were on plays back then. But, you'd be, are, but the yeah, you'd be huge on the radio, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd think for that exposure because you have a set audience all the time. And we're talking about a single stream to a single pair of ears now. That's right. We're not listening to music in groups anymore. No, it's not a collective experience anymore. Everyone's not listening. Well, I mean, people do still listen to the radio, but uh, you were talking about you listening to the radio. In Nova Scotia, there was only a couple of radio stations, no rock station, uh, but a lot of country stations and uh, sort of pop stations. But everyone knew what was on because everyone was listening to the exact same thing. How did you get, um,
0: where did you build your passion for music?
1: Uh, probably the passion came out of just uh, my parents. My you know, mother always used to have Elvis records around yeah. uh, the, the vinyl. Uh, I don't think I was ever allowed to play them, and I think when I was allowed to play them, I probably ruined them. Uh, but my, my father would always be playing music in the car and singing along and stuff like that. So, uh, as I you know, got to actually eight or nine years old, that's when I just started really discovering rock. Uh, my aunt. I uh, had a pretty decent collection of uh, artists like Sly and the Family Stone, Grand Funk Railroad, uh, Chicago, all those like late '60s, early '70s stuff.
0: Some of the good stuff. Yeah, and
1: she uh, gradually, as she uh, started growing old, she, I would uh, I would inherit these albums, and uh, you know those were what I listened to constantly. I think Beatles Abbey Road was one of them too.
0: Do you still have them?
1: Uh, they were pretty beat up when I got them, and I think I still have a few just lying around for sentimental reasons, but um, I used to have you know, hundreds of albums, which I gradually got rid of over the years just because they were hard to move around. And, and who sat- knew they'd make a comeback? Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you want really uh, non-portable music, that's the way to go now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but there's something about, you know, we were talking earlier, again, yeah. something about that experience
1: of touching the record, yes, touching the album cover, Opening it up, reading the liner notes. Yes, you know, taking that that the, the shrink wrap off at the beginning. Actually, actually going out of your house, specific to a place that had all the albums, and flipping through stuff. Maybe you were looking for something specific. Maybe you would just see an album cover that looked great, and you decided to you try that out. I mean, as many times I brought home a really great-looking album cover when I was a kid, and it, was, it was a piece of crap when I actually listened to it. Yeah. Because I didn't really understand i I had no place to hear really great music, besides it wasn't really being played on the radio around. Uh, I think I mentioned before that, I mean, a lot of... you know, I was really into the the look of musicians back then. Sure. So I, I would read the the music magazines in the store, Uh, you know, groups like Deep Purple, Black Sabbath, all those kind of, even Led Zeppelin, but they weren't being played on the radio where I was, and I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a, you know, bottomless bank account as a a 12-year-old to go out and buy these albums, so I never heard them anywhere, but I knew exactly what they looked like. Wow. So (laughs) there was a lot of discovery going on once I got old enough to actually purchase albums.
0: That must have been an amazing time. I mean, I I spent, I used to spend my... Allowance money or my first job money on Spider-Man comics. Right. Um, I kept a few of them. I don't know if they're worth anything. Um, but yeah, music was you know when I first started getting interested in, interested in music, I remember getting. I don't know if you ever did this.
1: Uh, the Columbia Music House. Uh, yes, I was a subscriber at least twice.
0: Cassettes and then CDs came out and that was really really cool. Um, but that's how I that was, that was my music collection. Right. You know where we're really old beat up cassettes. Um, A few of them are still hanging around. Um, And CDs, and again, a few of them are hanging... I got rid of a bunch of them back, I don't know, maybe... 10, 15 years ago, and I regret now.
1: Right. But you couldn't make good mixtapes back then either. I mean, you either had a mixtape that uh, you, had a, you had a radio and you had a tape recorder and you'd wait for the DJ to stop talking and oh, try to hit play in that yeah. perfect position so you'd have a collection of the music you like. Well, first of all, you had to stay up all night to hear the one, and God forbid you requested it and actually got your request played.
0: I used to spend weekends, my, so my parents had this really psychedelic bed That at the where the headboard was, was um, a stereo system. Oh, yeah. Embedded in their headboard. It was really, really cool. So I used to spend so it was a radio, AM, FM radio, and and a cassette player. Um, And all cassettes players had a record button on it. It was really weird. Right. So I used to spend weekends sitting on their bed, putting a cassette in, um, and waiting for cool songs to start. And I hated it when just as the song was about to end, like maybe 10 seconds in. The DJ would come on and ruin it. And you'd have
1: to go back and try to re- erase or start the next one, you know, yeah. two seconds in. You couldn't really hear it. And but that was like a weekend project of mine was was making these mixtapes. That yeah, was great when you had a countdown show because you knew they'd probably play the, the songs. Top, yeah, 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 absolutely. So I was a big listener of uh, American Top 40. Uh, Casey Casey. Th- yeah, Casey Kasem's American Top Forty. I th- last night I was even uh, talk. I put on put on Facebook when you were when do you remember hearing Rappers Delight for the first time? Because I had been watching a PBS show last night on rap and sampling. Yeah. And uh, that was the question they asked a few uh, a few of the uh, the rappers and DJs on there. And I thought it was really interesting because the first time I heard Rappers Delight was on American Top Forty, and I just thought it was Sheik's Good Times because that's the sample, right? <laughs> that's amazing yeah. that you can remember that though. Um, well, usually I had to go out to the car and put on the radio to get the actual radio station that was playing in the top forty because the car radio would pick it up, whereas my radio in the living room wouldn't pick it up. Yeah. So you know, I spent four hours in the sitting in the car in the yard listening to American Top Forty on many a Saturday afternoon. There's a ton of movies that
0: have these sort of um, scenes where people go and do something, and, there's, and music surrounds it. There's not... These, these scenes don't exist
1: but anymore, I don't think. Besides high school dances, maybe?
0: Do they have high school dances anymore?
1: I can remember the song that was playing well, as I walked into my first high school dance, which was great. No, it was free, all right, now. And every time that song comes, down, comes on now, I remember walking in platform heels into that gymnasium, <laughs> thinking I was the bomb. Well, or, or whatever the cool phrase was back then for being the bomb.
0: Platform <laughs> shoes.
1: I believe there are two-tone brown platform shoes, too.
0: Can you, next time we meet, can you just carry those with you?
1: Uh, Don't tell me you don't have them anymore. I'm sure I could go on eBay and find a pair (laughs) Um, They weren't the ones with the fish in the heel.
0: I remember um, much music used to do high school dances. Yes. Yeah, and that that was really, really cool. Um, I remember when DJs... Video dances, didn't they? Yeah. I remember when DJs used to mix... Now, you know, I've, I don't know, it's been a while since I've been to a dance. Right.
1: But, um, yeah. The, the but they try to fade out and then fade the next one up. And then the next, next step was, you know, matching the beat to each other. Yeah. And then it was like having a beat that was there all the time they could bring up and play between the songs. Yeah. I, I love what,
0: um, what guys like Scratch Bastard, I don't know if you've ever seen any of his stuff, but I love the stuff that he does. Right. um Where he literally creates um, a new song. Mm-hmm. out of mashing up a couple out of bits songs and pieces, yeah. adding up some beats um i don't know where I've, i think i first became really aware of him when david bowie passed away right and he did um and, and he did that mix um that david bowie makes i was like holy crap who is this guy <laughs> uh, i'm sure i heard i, I heard his stuff before because he's been around right um for 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 a long time um you really helped me prepare for this because you actually sent me a bunch of notes.
1: Well, once you're past 50 years old, you're trying to put years to events. So I thought I'd go back and do that. It was, it was just like a, maybe I was going to court or something like that where I had to get all the facts right. <laughs> had to remember yeah, where, where you did, were. Where did I meet this person and what year was it and you know, when did I start working in the places? And... You wanted to be a DJ. Uh, yeah, I, I I my father knew people who worked at the radio station because they would do promos for events that he, he was doing. I mean, he was a gym teacher, but he also handled uh, some of the local, um, you know, fundraising events. So we'd visit the radio station, mm-hmm. and uh, I was fascinated watching the. Uh, not just the DJ play play the records, but you know, go into the archive of records and see that, and how they had the cartridges for the commercials. And uh, wow. I was more, I was really interested in seeing the news come off the, you know, whatever the device was they had then, and people would you know rip off the news and go in and, and read it, right? Yeah. So that was cool. But then I found out how much they made, <laughs> or at least how much they made in Nova Scotia. And that wasn't that didn't turn uh, like It really street. didn't seem like a career that uh, no. would uh, result in you know me owning lots of big cars and houses. Ah, there you go. Yeah, so they, they, yeah, staying up all night. And the incentive kind of wasn't there. No, no. Um, I was just.
0: I, I think it was on cue yesterday or maybe the day before. Um, I realized that it was the 25th anniversary of uh, Out of Time, REM's album. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they had been around. Uh, but i think that album sort of put them um, you know they became pop right but very very popular yeah, because they
1: were very indie before and yeah. had a very limited audience and
0: radio radio song was what i think i don't know if it was a hit or not but it was a really cool song
1: it was a cool enough song to be played on much music <laughs> well
0: they had losing my religion and then yes. and then i don't know who well, i think that
1: might have been their first major uh, major label album yeah. Which which suddenly had a lot of promotion behind it, which yeah. got them played a lot more. And your thoughts on REM? Oh, I was a big fan. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't own any albums, but uh, it, you know if they were in concert, I'd probably recognize every second song.
0: I don't know why. I didn't realize that they had broken up. As a band. Uh, well, I
1: think they just kind of uh, retired or semi-retired. I mean, they haven't played for played for years, as yeah. I understand. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even sure if they're really playing now. I I, I think they're heard just doing a promo tour, but uh, I could be mistaken.
0: I heard they did one of those
1: reunion, yeah. like gig one-off gigs. Yeah. yeah, I remember the morning they played on Young Street. Really? Yeah. That uh, well, just uh, where Young Dundas Square is right now. So yeah. In in the rain, and uh, I remember I was actually standing on Queen Street, looking <laughs> the entire block away. Uh, was the, it, that it, was that packed? Yeah, totally. Holy macro. It was in the, the, It was one morning in the rain. I can't even remember why specifically they were they were playing. I think they had a new album though. But uh, okay, yeah, it needs. big advantage in Toronto rock.
0: This has been a one of those years. And I think a lot of people said that, you know 2016 um, will be remembered for all of these uh, musical geniuses and giants uh, that have passed away. Right. And people go, oh my goodness, another one, another one. And and for me, it's like, well, it's 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 a factor of time. Right. You know, it's not that all of a sudden some giant musical meteor crashed and, you know, only affected musicians.
1: Yeah, and I think if they talk to any 20-year-old, they're going to go, yeah, it didn't really affect me. But no. uh, it's like as, as you know, we're, we we get older, our heroes are already 20, 20 years in front of us. And, uh, you know, everyone, everyone goes at some time, right? Your,
0: your thoughts? So I'm going to ask you, I'm, I'll, I I sort of typed out, a, like I have a dozen names um, and I want to get your thoughts on, you know, their music and their impact and stuff.
1: Um, so let's start off with, with Glenn Frey of the Eagles. Uh, I mean, I was an Eagles fan. I mean, I I actually watched the recent uh, Eagles documentary, so I, I kind of got some of that history. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned a lot of the history then. So, I mean, significant, yes. I mean, no, I'm not the biggest Eagle fan in the world. But, yeah. you know, I recognize, you know, a good songwriter.
0: Tons of songs that they had. I I, I, wa- I was at... Um, I was in Main Street Unionville. I think not this past summer, but the summer before. And I think like every Thursday night they'd have a, like a cover band come in. And there was an Eagles cover band. And I was shocked. And they played for maybe an hour, hour and a half. And
1: I was shocked that Every single song I knew. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially in the later albums when the FM radio was playing a lot of the other ones. The earlier stuff was mostly just AM hits, right? Top 40 hits.
0: Yeah. They, I, you, you had asked a, um, a question on your, on your Friday rock debate um, about the, I don't know if it was the biggest American band or the most popular American yeah, band that or that was what it, it. was. Yeah. Um, where would you rank the Eagles?
1: I know who you ranked number one. Was it uh, Aerosmith? Yeah. The, the, the thing is, like week to week, it, my my it my, right? <laughs> my my choice might change. And I I I really admire people who can stick with their choices yeah. over a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was probably Aerosmith. I probably had Ramones in there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, cheap Trick bands like that. the uh, Eagles was probably maybe in the lower top ten.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they've got to be somewhere, like, you know, generally, sort of, is, is of is one of the best American bands. But it was interesting when you think about it, you go, there's a ton of bands, like, from Europe, from England, that are, like, the biggest bands of all time. Right. You know? Whether it is the Beatles, or the Stones, or Led Zeppelin.
1: So they all did a really good job of taking American music and putting a twist on it and then selling it back to everybody over here.
0: Yeah. They did a great job. Um... Were you an Earth Wind? And, is it Earth Wind, and Fire? Fan. Earth Wind and Fire. Earth Wind and Fire. I, Maurice I, I, White.
1: Uh, again, uh, I know the hits. I think yeah. I actually bought an album, whichever one had Boogie Wonderland on, was part of my <laughs> collection at, at at one time. Uh, thought they were awesome. Shining Star. I mean, great songs. Yeah, David Bowie. Uh, probably when I was when I was younger, uh, I recognized Ziggy Stardust. And sure. Glam rock was really cool. Uh, But, you know, the music didn't really, it didn't have an impact on me at that time. I think um, I was more, uh, I I was a huge Alice Cooper fan back then because, again, because I was 10 years old and, you know, he's chopping up babies and hanging himself, which was really, really really cool. What's Uh, not to
0: like about that
1: there's a there's a, uh, there's a documentary on Netflix called Super Duper Alice Cooper and it's great if you ever want to want to check that out. I have to check out. it out. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean it was it was kind of I was in the Alice Cooper camp and David Bowie was the the weirdo who was kind of cool from from England. But I, again, they weren't playing the music uh, on the radio, so I wasn't really well, I didn't know what Ziggy Stardust sounded like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it was more in the the late eighties. Well, it was really, not the late eighties, the early eighties when. Um, Scary Monsters came out. Mm-hmm. And um I was really into New Wave, Ashes to Ashes would Ash to Ashes came out, so I bought that album and then I went back and bought a lot of the early seventies albums and now mm-hmm. I mean he's he's the, the number one in in my life. Really? As a as a musician artist.
0: What what was it about his his
1: music or his writing that you think is timeless? Um well, to me, it was it was almost like a different person every time, and in some cases, different mm. person throughout throughout an album. So it was a huge variety in the type of music he did. That is so. And true. And his band, Spiders from Mars, were awesome too. So.
0: Hmm. You're you're right. There was like he had a lot of different sounds. Yes. All the time, and a lot of like you said, a lot of different characters.
1: Yeah, and when he did the. Uh, i remember young americas i still thought that was cool but he did a couple he moved to berlin and did a couple of albums after that which you know was a little weird for me when i was a you know, a teenager i was you know yeah. looking for something much more accessible i think i may have drifted into the kiss army at that time <laughs> <laughs> like guys with makeup for some there reason. you go <laughs> there it was it was interesting so when he passed away it was like wow it was like it was one of those wow moments for me yeah i mean i i kind of knew that he'd been sick i mean it wasn't hugely publicized but i knew mm-hmm. there was issues and i knew he had kind of not become a, a, recl- a recluse but i knew he was in new york and he had been recording and uh you know, it wasn't it was a shock but it wasn't a massive surprise yeah um but, but then but then i went to listen to the album it was like devastating i mean tears were coming down my cheeks as soon as i listened to that album because it's obviously a person who's who's near the end yeah and it- contemplating things
0: it was. It was all, and a lot of people had said he knew he was dying, and right, this and this cancer, was sort of his. Right. A lot of people said it was this was his sort of love letter goodbye sort of thing,
1: right? You know. Well, I mean, as an artist, you, you're going to be wanting to create right till the end. I mean, that's what you do. So what right. else do you do?
0: That that's very interesting, and, and I'm I'm curious about your thoughts on, uh, on the tragically hip, and and Gord Downey, and sort of, you know. So I've I've got very interesting, you know, um, thoughts about
1: the band. Yeah, I listened to you and you and uh, and Greg Greg talk argue back and fr- and I. But the I, significant I, Canadian event.
0: Yeah, we okay okay. So let's let, let's sort of sort of pause. Uh, you know, from talking about dead musicians to one, <laughs> to to one that is still alive and
1: and probably more popular than he's ever been. Right. I I would I would argue. Um, I think when anyone went to one of those last shows, or I actually sat down and watched that show on CBC, I mean, even I was surprised. It was like, okay, I know a handful of their songs, and you know, 50 Mission Cap and 100th Meridian. Those are my, my two big songs and then it was just like song after song i know like, that one i know that one i know that one i know every word every word to that one and then yeah. you know by the end of it they'd gone through what three or four encores and i knew them all yeah it was it was shocking i think i was actually on facebook you know typing in lyrics and <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i think you know, half of canada
1: yeah. was but was that
0: was that the quintessence oh, i, I can not even say that word a uh, quintessential canadian moment that last concert or even sort of that whole summer tour
1: well, I that, as I was listening to you guys talk about it I was trying to formulate I was gonna I know, are we gonna discuss that uh, to me I think it depends on who you are I mean is there ever going to be an event that uh, is a quintessential Canadian moment to everybody I mean mm, outside of an that election is so true. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and maybe that well, considering there's not not everyone votes maybe it's not everybody yeah. but I mean if you I think there was a meme going around that showed a showed events um, that were considered on par with that and it's like a lot of people looked at it and went oh I don't remember that that was didn't wasn't that meaningful to me I think mm-hmm. there was I think there was 1972 you know hockey series yeah yeah
0: Canada Canada Cup I think they called it then, <laughs> which yeah? was
1: a big moment for for me I think I remember jumping uh, running out of the living room jumping off the doorstep and running around the yard with my brothers after that goal but I mean I had no idea what people all across Canada were doing
0: yeah I, I think the 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 advent of the I mean the ability for us to be connected, right. you know, sort of show, showed us and we understood that people coast to coast and around the world and even in in Brazil because the Olympics were still going on right. um, were watching, you know, this this one concert and I think I was just taking a contrarian view. Point.
1: Well CBC's uh, kind of set it up as a way to well everybody wanted to see it enough people wanted to see it that they did it but it, yeah it was almost a, an, an event that was set up to be a collective experience which is, which is rare now.
0: Yeah absolutely. you know like you said outside of an election or whatever the case may be you know there are very few opportunities.
1: Um, but we can't assume that it's going to have the same impact on you know the next person as it did on us. I mean, you know, we have people in, uh, in in our office who are huge U2 fans, and we have we have a new intern in who has never heard of U2. She doesn't know who Bono is.
0: How did she get the job? Sorry, I was I, don't, I wasn't involved. <laughs> you d- yeah, I you did not interview in, her. <laughs> not the
1: biggest YouTube fan either, but um, but it's just interesting that uh, <laughs> everything that I know here's an entirely new perspective.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He's, he's, so you know, we were talking about David Bowie sort of going out on his own terms and, you know, creating this awesome album. Um, it, it seems to me that Gord Downey is, is, go, is, is sort of fighting till the very end. You know, not only, is, not only did, they, did they do, do this tour, uh, which when you think about it, a guy with brain cancer um, was able to do this, was, was number one amazing. Uh, but then to say, okay, now we're doing this other project. You know, were you know, and apparently he had already written the poems, right. the, the lyrics, but to then create the album, you know, commission the movie, commission the, 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 the comic, the book, mm-hmm. um, and then literally continue to travel and speak about this and do one off concerts from the album. Right. Um, it's like phenomenal, like very inspiring. Yeah,
1: well, I, I'd like to think that, that I would, uh, you know, go down fighting too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> But he seems to be fighting not for him, right? He seems to be fighting for others.
1: Right. I, mean, I don't know what's going through his mind. Uh, sure.
0: Maybe. Yeah. But, um, yeah, very inspirational, uh, definitely. Um, the, the one, I guess the one death that, has, that sort of, like, forced me to stop. Like, I literally stopped for the rest of the day was when Prince died. Right. Um, I came, I remember coming out of a meeting... Going to my computer and one of the tabs that is always open is Hootsuite, and in my feed, I see Prince died and they go, no.
1: Yeah, no, it's, a, it's like a, probably a Facebook mistake. Like every time Nick Cage dies. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, exactly, right. Um, and so you know, you know, so then you
0: go on your search engine and you and you see if any, you know, news websites, and he pass. And I literally said, "Holy shit!" Yeah, it's real. I, and I never saw him in concert, and there were plenty no, of opportunities yeah. to see him. Which I think he was in Toronto just a, a month before. That, he so? was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was the one guy that you know from this year of, of deaths that it was like holy shit. And I so obviously you know uh, um, went online, and none of his stuff, hardly any of his stuff is online except for on Title. Right. So I subscribed to Title oh for for the month. To listen to all of his stuff. Yeah, Jay Z, thanks you. he Well, then I then after I had to pay for it, I stopped. Oh. <laughs> so he's not thanking me. So you only broke up during the trial period. We exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, w- like w- what went through your your mind? I don't know if he was on the same
1: par as Bowie for you. Uh, in a different way, I mean, I mean, and when I was in college, that's when Purple Rain was out, so everyone was uh, mm-hmm. watching that. But I mean. Um, I probably bought, uh, i trying to remember when I bought his first single. I think it was 1980, I Want to Be Your Lover. I actually bought the 45 of that because I thought it was really cool because he was like, what, a 18-year-old musician who yeah. the story was that he had recorded uh, all the, the instruments he did all on the it instruments. and wrote it, and uh, I thought that was kind of cool, so let's do it. It was kind of cool song, and then put it a couple of albums with some dirty words on it that everybody mm-hmm. thought was cool then and, yeah. uh, you know, got to Purple Rain. So, yeah, I probably drifted off uh, after the Raspberry Beret stuff. But, but mm. I always kind of recognized him as a, an un- uncompromising musician who really held true to his ideals. And uh, even when he changed his name to The Symbol, The Symbol,
0: <laughs> Yeah. He, he, sim- he had s- similar to Bowie in terms of was always experimenting. Right. With different sounds and different musics, different bands. Yeah. Um,
1: but, but I, it, again, I had no idea about his, well, I had some idea about his personal life, but, uh, I mean, he wasn't, his personal life wasn't out there for everyone t- no, to see. No, he wasn't so in the magazines I, or anything, right? You know, I hope he wasn't a, a lonely individual. I mean, he seemed mm-hmm. to put lots of people around him, but, uh, yeah. it was, it was definitely a shock when it happened and it was shocked how it happened. Crazy. Is, is there, um, and obviously we had
0: Leonard Cohen. That recently passed away. A lot of people call him, you know, Canada's poet.
1: Yep. Um, and when I was a kid, I mean, I, my aunt had a. I think it was a. It was a compilation album from Columbia Records, and there was a Leonard Cohen song on that. And I mean, I didn't appreciate it as an eight-year-old. It just sounded like he's not course. even not even singing. What's going no, on here? Yeah. <laughs> so I i don't think I've recognized his brilliance to the last, uh, you know, fifteen twenty years. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know.
0: I remember the first time I heard, and I think everyone sort of, you know, if you're not a huge fan, you've probably heard Hallelujah. Right. Um, and I remember um, it was the Vancouver Olympics, and Katie Lang sang yes. that song. And I don't know if I had ever heard that song, but when I heard her sing it, it was like that is one of the best songs
1: ever. You know, I think for for years, when I was hearing that song done by other people, I was wasn't even conscious that it was his song. Yeah. I mean, the first you know, song I really probably get into of his was First We Take Manhattan mm-hmm. from, like, the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then Bird on a Wire. And I mean, there was a bunch of people recording his music back then. Well, he
0: was primarily, like, a songwriter. Right. Like, other people were doing his stuff. Right.
1: But he kind, of, he kind of had kind of this dark artist image, which I thought was cool. Yeah, yeah, Dark with the cigar or yeah.
0: cigarette, you know. Um, is there, do you... Is there one artist um, that you know that once they pass away, you've thought in your mind, I'm going to go to where that person used to live or um, I definitely am going to take the next day off. I'm curious if there's anyone like that for
1: you. Uh, I really don't think there's anyone like that for me. No. Yeah, there's, there's 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 not anybody who's in my head or I'm trying to to live vicariously through. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think for me, I appreciate them as they're as a musician artist. Yeah, yeah. And less of a less as an idol.
0: Interesting. No, that's that's very interesting. Um, for me, um, I, it's already in my head. I'm taking two days off when Neil Young passes away. Um, he's he's one of those artists for me that has. I mean, he's done electronic stuff. Right. He's done country stuff. He's done the blues. He's obviously done rock. He's done country. Um, And he's like one of those people, like uncompromising. Right. He'll do whatever the F he wants to do on his own terms. Um, And even, and there's stuff that he's done and said that I said, okay, Neil, just relax, old man. You know, that that you may or may not, you know, agree with. But the one thing that's always stuck with me is that, you know, he doesn't care what other people think uh, about what he believes in or doesn't believe in.
1: Yeah, and he's still around. I think people appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there'll have to be a little thing in Yorkville or something like that that uh, you can take and yeah. lay your albums on or something so like I, that. I went,
0: um, oh, is it Omimi? One of the towns that he grew up in is Omimi, which is not far from Peterborough. Which, so we went on a camping trip. Um, this summer to Emily Lake, Provincial Mm -hmm. Park. Not far at all. Maybe an hour drive from from where we are right now. But it just happened to be, it was interesting, just happened to be in between Bob Cajun and and Omimi. Oh, wow. And knowing, you know, that that Neil Young, one of his towns that he grew up in was Omimi, and then obviously this summer, with everything that happened with the tragedy of Bob Cajun, was like, we got to go to one of these cities, one of these towns. Um, So I remember there was one evening we said, you know, this is driving to town for a dinner. Because um, I think it was raining and we didn't, we were just, you know, miserable. I think or whatever. <laughs> and so I went online and said, I, I wonder if, you know, there's like a, a, a plaque. This is where you know Neil before Young grew, grew up. up so born. we went, we found the school that's named after his dad, Scott uh, Scott Young. Um, and then not too far, the house that he grew up in. Okay, cool. You know, so took a picture with the house, and there's people living in the house (laughs) that are looking out and waving, and they know why. Oh,
1: they're used to it. They're used
0: to it. Mom, there's another one taking a photo of our house. (laughs) Um, But that was cool for me, um, you know, going, going there. So I think, you know that'll be something for me is, is, right.
1: is, is to... I think I did the same thing. We stopped in, in Bangor uh, last summer and went to Stephen King's house, stood in front of it and took our pictures. And people are looking. He didn't come out, though. He did. <laughs> <laughs> didn't offer you tea or no, coffee? No, it's, it's a... He's it's it's got a nice spooky uh, fence thing going with bats all over it. I can shit, imagine, People right? love.
0: I can imagine. Definitely Stephen King. Um, let's, let's go on to Facebook. Because some people have left some questions. I think I may have answered
1: half of them already. Did you On already?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let's. Um, let me quickly go here. Uh, where are we? Crowdsourcing. But today. I have different answers now. Do you? Okay, so let me ask you. Let me ask you this one. So Connie Crosby, who we both know, um, you are the curator of the Friday Rock Debate. So, so let me, let me ask you this question on top of, so Connie wants to know why did you start the Friday rock debate? And yeah, how did, you know, that that is the question, you know, how and why did you start the Friday rock debate?
1: Um, I was actually, because I saw this last night, I was thinking about what, what events led up to it. And I think it's probably, there's probably a long list of, you know, things that actually happened, uh, I think i could c- tie it back to blip fm i don't know if you remember blip fm but yeah, it yeah. allowed you to share music in a stream mm-hmm. and you you sort of became a curating dj at that point so i would actually get on there and, and curate a stream of music uh of course all the music was illegal i don't know what server it was coming from but i thought it was kind of cool and then uh through twitter and, and facebook uh again i wanted to sort of share some 80s music so i started a hashtag called uh, friday night 80s and I would I think know, I put up that? like a, a culture club song or a Duran Duran or something, something <laughs> everyone <laughs> recognized. Maybe even an a name Cherry Buffalo Stance every once in a while. Uh, but so a few people get in. I thought that was kind of cool. And I think it just led to conversations, really neat conversations on Facebook when, you know, there was nothing else going on. And um, I think a few of those conversations ended up being things like, uh, do you remember your first concert? Or do you remember your, the first concert T-shirt or something like that? Uh-huh. Inspired a lot of conversations. So... I think I was driving to the GO train one, one Friday morning, and uh, there had been a discussion on the radio station about what the best debut album was. And, uh, and they were debating back and forth, and I thought that might be kind of a fun thing to discuss, because obviously it's The Pretenders. Obviously. Is it? Best fully formed debut album. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So some people thought Led Zeppelin and stuff like that, but anyways, I thought the pretenders (laughs) were kind of cool. And I mean, every album hasn't been as good as the first one, Mm -hmm. but literally, that was the first question. What do you think, what was the best debut album by a a rock artist? Do you remember some of the submissions? Uh, Well, I think, you know, some people said Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. I mean, At first, when I started doing it, I think I spent a lot of time correcting people. (laughs) No, idiot. It's the Pretenders. That was their third album. (laughs) Come on. And that's probably one reason I haven't done what's your favorite uh, song of the 80s or 90s, because I'm afraid I'm going to go in there. Well, that was released in December of 1989, so it doesn't really qualify. (laughs) It doesn't count. (laughs) My goodness. Um, so really, I I don't even come up with the... Que- it mo- I've, a couple times I come up with the questions in advance, but really I'm coming up with the questions on the drive or when I'm parking or when I first sat down the train. And really the purpose, too, was just let's have some fun on, on Facebook and have a conversation that's not politics or people bitching about this or that or having cats. So... <laughs> So it uh, uh, yeah so I I posted on there and pretty much uh, the first time it happened the entire go train was done the go train ride consisted of me you know liking and replying to people I thought that was kind of cool so Nice I, think I did it again the next week and then I did it for a while then you skipped it for a while so then it came back and you know, it's been a little, it's been a tougher over the past year because there's been some terrible events that happen on like a Thursday night or Friday, which just end up being something, you know, it's not the first thing you want to think about Friday no. or you want to, you know, push something frivolous like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know if anyone's ever talked to you about writing a book.
1: Uh, no. Well, let's talk about I've actually it. thought, here's coincidentally, I thought of one this week and it would be a book or one well, might be just a blog that was on Great Canadian concerts. Okay. Or- it could, it could be stuff like, you know, the Who at the Maple Leaf Gardens or something like that or something cool like that. But I had been looking at rock festivals, uh, reading reading up on rock festivals that had happened sp- more around Ontario because we had Canada Jam back in the 70s and Heat Wave in the early 80s and wow. uh, the V Festival and, mm-hmm. you know, the Rolling Stones and ACDC up at Downsview Park That's for the Starstock. Right. Star I thought yeah. it would be yeah. interesting to look into the background of how these uh, big festivals uh, came about. Because there was some at Moulton Park and Berry, there was some at the Mostport. There was some really cool things, some huge bands and some huge crowds, like in the hundreds of thousands of these things.
0: Yeah, well, it, it seems like that's it, now they seem to be all the time, everywhere. Right. These these rock concerts. So there's one every weekend, right? It's, it's <laughs> doesn't it? Like every especially the summertime.
1: And there's one for everybody. Yes. But they're, but they're, but again, I you know, I don't go that regularly to them. But instead of one massive event with like a hundred thousand people, you get. You'll get a bunch with like twenty thousand.
0: Yeah. What what is it that that interests you about rock festivals?
1: Um, uh, again, it's just people coming together, a collective experience and there, it's even better if crazy things happen. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the Virgin Festival, when the, uh, the guitarist for the Oasis got attacked by the fan. I mean, and then they walked off the stage. I mean, there's, there's a great story. And
0: they've never, and they've n- never played ever again or something <laughs> like that, right? Well,
1: they, they, they actually look good cause they both looked like they were ganging up on the guy, which was, it was neat, neat to see the Gallagher brothers, uh, you know, fighting one person instead of each other. That's <laughs> the one time they could have continued on. Yeah. There's rumors now they might go on tour for a big payday, but
0: yeah, it'd be weird. eh? that'd be really, really weird. I remember seeing them in, I'll uh, well, be
1: disappointing, I think, because I mean, you, need, you yeah. need the money. It depends, right? But I mean, they put on a good show. Right?
0: They do. It was, it was hilarious. So I, I remember seeing them with, uh, with my brother and my cousin and they were huge Oasis fans. Um, but as soon, so they, there was a few acts I think before, but it was uh, Oasis and then Neil Young. Um, and as soon as Neil Young, it's it's like they turned the volume up, you know, ten notches, Right. and the crowd just stormed the stage. Um, yeah, that was
1: my experience of being in an Oasis crowd too. Was just being run over.
0: <laughs> yeah, but um, it was it was a proud moment as a Neil Young fan to say, yeah, Neil Young, they just kicked Oasis in the ass with the sound
1: you know how loud it was but that, that was an amazing moment so i actually been reading up on that concert and uh-huh. uh, uh, apparently the Gallagher brothers were huge uh, fans of uh, Neil Young so yes. apparently it was rumored they were on their best behavior that day and were, <laughs> were trying to be the assholes or anything like that so.
0: nice well I've heard one of the brothers I don't know which one it was I think it was the, who's the one that plays guitar Noah. Noah I've heard him talk about Neil Young Um, on on interviews and he he holds them in high regard it seems Um, but not only do you have a huge interest in in music but um, you know obviously your your day gig and a lot of what consumes your your time is is on the digital side of things Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know if it's Stephen or Stephen Clark yeah Stephen
1: Clark Stephen Clark
0: so he wants he wants to know
1: I'm going to call him Stephen from now on
0: let's go he's got a PH I know (laughs) I think Stephen Harper also had a PH, right? Yes. Yeah, anyways.
1: Um, but
0: Stephen Clark, he wants to know, you know, uh, what you think about third
1: screens. Yeah, I think he just come up with a serious question. <laughs> Way to ruin it, Stephen Clark. Yeah, he talked about third screens and first screens and second screens, and I think there was a lot of talk years ago about, uh, you know, sh- you know, layering up screens. So you'd be watching TV, uh, maybe you'd be doing something on your iPad or, you know, messing around on your phone. Uh, And a lot of people have tried to create these experiences that uh, combine the screens. I think AMC has tried to do it with uh, Breaking Bad and with Walking Dead, that there's a a synced experience that happens on your computer or your phone Mm -hmm. that, you know, depending on what's happening in the show, you know, might have a a fact about that actor or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I think in my personal opinion, there's really just, you know, there's just one, there's the first screen. It's whichever one you're looking at at the time. So, and, um, you know, you might be watching a TV show on the screen, which I I guess we still call a TV (laughs) in, in your, your living room downstairs. Or you might just be watching a, a movie on Netflix on your laptop or you know, you might, and I see this on the go train plenty of times. People are watching movies and TV shows uh, as they commute back and forth. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. it's whatever screen you're in front of. And and I really don't necessarily see people having combined experiences with multiple screens at the same time. Uh, you're yeah. kind of switching back and forth. But when I'm on, I'm and I am always on my iPad and phone while I'm watching TV. But I'm not doing anything to do with the TV show unless I'm looking up, you know, what that guy who kind of looks like the other guy might have been in before
0: Mm. yeah it's very interesting i I, I think it's i think it's a very organic thing no one was told you must go on twitter as you're watching tv you must do this it was sort of people were watching something they were enjoying something and and they they wanted to share right so whether it was they wanted to share it with the person sitting beside them or if they wanted to share it, they knew that their friends were watching it in their own homes and they wanted to share something there. I think that's really how it started. And, and when brands or, you know, or you know, marketers try to figure out how can I get more screens in front of this person when Breaking Bad is on or, or, or whatever the hot TV show.
1: Because a lot of brands want to be associated with meth.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's, 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 it's like let it happen organically. Right, and and if it makes sense, then it makes sense, but you know, it's it's different when you're talking about you know sort of one-off events like something like the Olympics, where it's it's happening once every four years or once every two years really, where you could you know you could watch an event and if you wanted to you you could pick up your your uh, your tablet or your phone and maybe get stats, right? Maybe get some background information on the athlete just before they swim in their heat or run in their heat or before the game plays, I can yeah. see that.
1: Well, you had mentioned the, the Tragically Hip show. There was plenty of people online, you know, following the hashtag mm-hmm. and sharing their thoughts on, you know, what was happening live yeah. to other people. Absolutely. I mean, and that was that's a great example of that actually working as opposed to a show, which, you know, people end up complaining about the spoilers. And they can't actually have that experience at the same the West Coast people can't have the same experience with the people on the East Coast because mm-hmm. there's a two hour difference and they 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 don't want to see what's already happened at the end of the show
0: so what happens now with every not well with things going to streaming where you could watch um a whole series you know over a weekend which i do <laughs> yeah like there's there's no more shared experience there anymore, is there? Right. Unless, unless podcasts, right? Uh,
1: if everyone's listening to podcasts at the same time, or a live broadcast of it, you're right. But that's, then that's you have your audience different. who you listen to live, and then some are listening to it a week later, yeah. and some are just you know at the gym listening to it on their headphones and taking it in that way.
0: Do you think that matters anymore? Whether it's whether it is something that is broadcasted, like whether it's appointment television people used to call it, or, or whether it is you know just watch it when you want to watch it.
1: Well, see, obviously, for live events, it makes more sense. Oh, absolutely, like, like yeah. The U.S. election, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everybody was online, you know, trying to <laughs> trying to make sense of what was going on. Um, so, I mean, that's that's a great example. But, I mean, um, I mean, we've just recently got cable again. We had been. You know, for two years we had been streaming all our shows for through those through of Amazon. you
0: who are too young cable is this wire that comes into your house that yeah, I'm connects not sure to it's, your cable. Television. it's fiber optic <laughs> I think it is now
1: <laughs> Anyways, it took a full day for them to install but uh, it's hard to get used to the shows on TV actually happening in real time yeah uh, I, I mean the other day I went out to do something came back and I forgot to shut the TV off and uh, I realized the show had continued without me <laughs> As a as a streaming experience, <laughs> I would have paused it or damn it, would have, it. <laughs> it would have paused on its own, and then and I would have been able to pick up as I, as I come back. So. Well, you know
0: what? People nowadays are not going to understand how things can continue without them there. I was telling you that my my son and I were listening to. Um, uh, someone knows something. Season two. Yes. Um, so thanks since, for telling
1: me season two is out there because I was addicted to season one.
0: Yeah. Me. So season two just started this past Monday, and I think they're going to release an episode every Monday. Yeah. Um, and we were listening to it in the car, and my son's experience in the car is not podcasts; it's radio. So once you turn it off, you're missing it. It continues without you. Right. So
1: as I turn, and if someone it, can invent uh, invent a pause button for live radio. Um, it may exist for all I know. But yeah. There's been many a times I'm listening to a show on the radio and I, I'm I'm just about home and I know there's five minutes left and I'll you know do a couple of drives around the block so, so I get in so I'm not sitting in the in, oh, in the driver like an idiot yeah I've done that multiple times. There was a show that was on that was actually referring to those as NPR moments where you actually had to finish listening to the live broadcast in your car in the driveway. I forget what the show was, but <laughs> we, we always joke about that at home.
0: I had that moment this morning um, on dropping my son to school early in the morning. He usually takes a school bus, but we had missed the turn. And I only realized after I go, Cosmer, we, we've passed your school. <laughs> and we had to turn back around and go to his school because you're just like, it's in, so involved. He got lost in it. Yeah. Got lost and, um, but but you know just as kids nowadays expect every screen to be touched, uh, they expect that you could pause mm-hmm. a TV show and TV show you know in, in, in brackets there and, and go to the washroom or go get a snack and then continue it when you come back. They're going to expect the, the audio experience that we know as radio to be a, a podcast type where you could pause and come back to it.
1: I'll just mention now. I mean, I've started to, um, well, I've started to podcast more in the car. So, one thing I've actually done is um, use the Bluetooth in the car to connect to my iPhone to actually listen to the podcast. So, when I actually leave the car, it's still playing from my iPhone. I just hook, hook, put the headphones on, and I just go back and forth. So, you know, if I'm out shopping, I'm by myself. I don't do (laughs) this obviously when I'm with someone else Mm because that would be boring. Uh, But uh, yeah, I could continue that experience.
0: Yeah, it's de- it's definitely something. Um, okay, so that was from Stephen Clark. Thank you, Stephen. Um, and another one from... He'll bug
1: me if that's a bad answer, by the way.
0: <laughs> no, I think that's a good... I don't, I don't think there is a like. a... I understood the whole concept of second screen because it was like... Because you're watching TV and then something else comes along.
1: Yeah, and there was a time when, you know, we were all trying to create or imagine these layered experiences. Yeah,
0: but now you're right. I think it's... Whatever screen you're looking for, it's, it's that screen, right? In the, and, in you the know,
1: it's, it may not be a, a good experience for the uh, TV show For if I'm answering my email or, mm-hmm. you know, tweeting. Well, not really tweeting anymore, but, uh, you know, going on Facebook.
0: Yeah, totally understand. Um, is it JJ? Sorry. Sorry, JJ. You're not JJ. Jennifer Johnston. I apologize. Call I, her JJ. There was a JJ in my school whose name <laughs> was Jennifer Johnston. Um,
1: I think she made up a joke question. Did, did she? I mean, I think if you read it. Well,
0: even if she didn't. Oh, she did cuz she included everything that you do. Um, but you are a huge Hot Wheels fan. Um so my so I have a bunch of questions. Um, are all the ones that show up on Instagram actually ones that you own? Yes. So tell me, how did this fascination with Hot Wheels begin?
1: Well, as a kid, of course. Um, I was in the right place at the right time in 1968 when Pot Wheels came out. And they were the coolest thing then because before that, the die cast toy cars you could get had boring wheels that didn't really turn, and there mm. were boring designs of boring cars, um, mostly square European cars. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: um, there's a whole story behind how Hot Wheels got designed, but, I mean, these were cool California designs and really bright colors, and they were jacked up in the back with fat slicks on them. They were the, the kind of car every kid would want to have back then. Mm-hmm. They were they were hot rods, basically. Yeah. So I was there wanting them all at that time, and, you know, I bought a bunch of really good ones, which I, you know, I, not with my allowance, my parents would allow me to buy one every couple of weeks or something like that, and eventually they'd get pretty beat up in the sandbox and you know I wish they're all in mint condition now cuz they'd be worth quite a bit of money. Is that is, so do you still collect them? Uh, the original ones? Mm-hmm. Uh, the original ones are pretty pricey. I mean you can find them depending, you know, where you are. I mean you can go to you go at eBay and find anything you want, right? So what's
0: the difference between what you call the original ones and the ones that are that come well, out? Well there's
1: really? actually the the 1968 they're called the original 16. Oh really? Yes.
0: And do you have all
1: 16? I don't have any of these. <laughs> you don't have <laughs> Uh, because we're talking, you know, minimum you're going to be paying sixty, seventy dollars per, depending wow. on which color it came in. Because it came in a variety of colors, some more rare than others. Wow. So
0: do you do you still collect? I guess do they do they still continue to issue, and come out with with Hot Wheels today?
1: Uh absolutely more than more than ever before. Okay. Uh, you know, they made uh, there might be five hundred different. Models that come out every year oh wow um so some, it's, been, it's been diluted i guess uh yeah and of that of that bunch they make millions of each of one course. so yeah, yeah. uh anyone who thinks they're going to um you know pay for their kids kids uh, college or retire early by collecting stuff at walmart or, <laughs> or living a dream it's not happening no it's not so it's not which happening.
0: what was the last one that you purchased do you remember
1: uh, last one I purchased, uh, literally, it was on Sunday. There's a new, uh, a new uh, series out uh, based on the original drawings or original artwork from the first Star Wars. Oh wow! So uh, there's it's like a five car series. It's in a, in a, in a th- uh, sub series called Pop Culture, which you know, I think last month it was the Peanuts Christmas. All okay. the cars had Peanuts Christmas themes. This uh, month, it's uh, Star Wars original art.
0: So you'll get these sort of uh, collectors, not well. I don't know if they're collectors editions, but you'll sort of get these special ones that they make.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, they're making millions of them. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, but I mean, there's uh, a lot of people out there looking for particular ones. So if you're ever at Walmart or Toys R Us, you're not going to see there. a bunch of creepy adults hanging around the Hot Wheel aisle. Yeah, that's, that's what they're. That's what they're <laughs> looking for. <laughs> what's uh, What's your favorite one? Uh, my favorite one is a uh, one that. Probably most people know Hot Wheels would know it's called the Red Baron. Okay. Uh, they had a chrome helmet as the place where the drivers driver sat. Oh. And uh, the first year it came out, there was actually, actually a little spike on top of the helmet. I actually have the one with the spike on was top of the Was this a helmet. convertible car? Uh, it's not a convertible because the, the driver actually kind of. It kind of sat within the helmet, oh, and then okay. it was like a hot rod engine on the front, oh, wow. like that. And it had like the iron cross on the on the helmet. I thought it was the coolest thing back then. Really, really neat. So there was a car designer called Tom Daniels in the early '70s who created these outrageous-looking cars, and I think Hot Wheels actually licensed that design from him.
0: Nice. So you're gonna write a book on music festivals in Ontario, yeah. and another one on Hot Wheels. Uh, I, I'm not sure what it could actually add to the ones <laughs> that are already out there. So there is a lot. See, that's they, a subculture I have no clue yeah. existed outside of seeing the stuff that you used to post. or that you Sorry, that you do post.
1: Yeah, and probably it became a subculture in the mid-90s. Uh, at that time, uh, Hot Wheels actually created a numbered system for people to collect. Actually, a little earlier in the 90s, um, but they actually would release things they specifically called new models every year and then it hit a numbered collector thing after that so now you'd know that there were they had put out a hundred cars that year so people started collecting a hundred cars yeah (laughs) um whereas before it was kind of like the wild west they put whatever i
0: think somebody so i don't know if somebody had asked this but i I think somebody had asked this i just can't find the comment but you had recently put up something about the police we're getting back to the rock the friday rock debate Uh, about your favorite police song, I think it was, and you sort of insinuated within your comment that, yeah, I know I'm going to get a lot of people making fun of the police. Yes. Um,
1: Do you not think they're a good band, or do you know that a lot of people don't like them? Well, I think uh, a lot of people don't like Sting. (laughs) Why don't they like Sting? (laughs) Well, I think it's just... uh I, I think people that are confident, a lot of people don't like for whatever reason. Okay. So, I mean, he's done a lot of things, and, you know, uh, a lot of people don't like that part of it, whereas they really like the music part yeah, of it. Yeah, okay, okay, fair the enough. The lines are kind of blurred, so I, mm-hmm. I think I did get some comments on that. So. Okay. I mean, when they started out, they dyed their hair blonde. I mean, <laughs>
0: <laughs> they weren't one of the guys that put on makeup all the time. No, they just... Had they, they just dyed their hair blonde. Yeah. <laughs> And we cannot have that.
1: Yeah, I mean they come out at the time uh you know punk rock was just starting to, to die and you know Sting had been in a couple of movies and uh-huh. uh, you know Andy Summers was a you know musician who'd been in some you know progressive bands in the seventies and it was just kind of a weird a weird group, which made some awesome music. I mean those those, amazing those, those four or five albums or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they were fantastic. Absolutely. Um now, they're a band that I know a lot of the songs from the albums.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Even okay. the terrible ones. I, so I need to ask you this, and and I do not understand why they are the most hated band in Canada, Nickelback. Why? What is it? Uh, is like they've well, it's, sold. It's
1: fashionable to hate them. I mean. It is.
0: But they've sold tens of millions of albums. Their concerts are are, are well attended, uh, all over the world. Yet they continue, and they've they've made millions upon
1: millions of dollars. Right.
0: But they're hated so much.
1: Well, it's kind of, I think it's kind of like a... Like, almost like a meme. It's just... It, of course you hate Nickelback. <laughs> I mean, do I hate them? I'm bored by them. Are you bored? <laughs> but I don't... I don't hate, like, them. I don't sure. ha- hate, personally... The, You're not going to throw stuff.
0: stuff at them if you saw them walking across the street?
1: No, I, mean, I roll my eyes. Doing,
0: <laughs> after you take a selfie and post it up on Facebook... You've he made hey, a meme out of yeah, it. Yeah, hey, something. look, at them.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, but it is so interesting. Like I literally, th- I I thought I had, I'd gone on vacation maybe, or I had missed a meme on month. But I I, yeah. I it was like, r- really, they're the band we need to hate. I, I was shocked.
1: No, I think it, they they, had, there might have been a couple of songs that were really misogynist at one time. But I mean, hmm. most bands used to be. Um, yeah, absolutely. But uh, I think I mean that what that's what kind of turned me off of them. I mm. mean, you know, I could, I could sing how, how You Remind Me right now. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go for it. Uh, there's probably some royalty issues. <laughs> singing, um,
0: it's, it, it's interesting that there there's certain songs that show up in movies and or TV shows that really make the scene. Um, for me, the one that I will always remember, and one of my favorite TV shows of all time is, is, is The West Wing. Okay, and it was. In, I'm sure it was in season one. I don't know what episode it was, but it was Dire Straits' "Brothers, Brother in, Brothers in Arms" or "Brother in Arms," when that song came on. And, and it's really the the president walking. I don't know if he was in the West Wing, but he walks to. Um, so you to got that
1: see, mournful guitar going.
0: It so. was phenomenal. I said, "Holy!" In fact, that scene. I had seen that scene, and this is well after the series was off air. I saw that scene. And that song in the scene, and I go, shit, I missed that whole series. And so, thank goodness, at the time, it was still on Netflix in Canada. Right. And I watched it, and I go, oh, my God. I can't believe I missed this this whole cultural event around this TV show.
1: Yeah, I hadn't watched it when it was on. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I watched something here or there. But, I, I mean, it's one of those shows that, I mean, I, I'll probably watch at some point in my life when yeah. I actually, you know, watch one episode and get by that and get intrigued with the next episode. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's shows like that that I'll see on Netflix all the time that I never watch. Yeah. That I have no idea why I wasn't watching. It might have just been on a night where I was busy.
0: Yeah, sure. No, absolutely. Um, but I'm curious, is there, because you're a big fan, fan of music, is there a song that um, has shown up in a TV show or has shown up in a movie that To you was like that. That is a perfect fit.
1: My God, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, there's one that's kind of used as a, a. it's almost become a cliche all the time when they want to like pump up the energy in a show, and it's like Blur's song too. Mm. You know, like woohoo comes yeah. on, and then mm-hmm. then the thing is ramped. A Walking on Sunshine might be another one yeah. that's, that's overused. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not really associating that song with any. Any. any I know show there's a bunch right of now.
0: songs or a couple of songs from um, from Top Gun, um, but those almost seem. You know, the song comes on, and they're all singing the song in a bar.
1: Oh, uh, you lost a love and feeling. Yeah.
0: yeah, you know which which is you know sort of popular but when they it, it was just that i always remember that song and that tv show together right. um which is which is
1: amazing um and i think they lip-synced most of that and then they they i think the group of them just kind of all sang one line i, th- I think so i think so i have to go back and watch top gun again I, I
0: i don't know if i i think i've watched it maybe once or twice but it's not like for me i don't know it's not know. even the
1: volleyball beach volleyball scenes well you, you one can never have enough <laughs> I'm uh, Val Kilmer.
0: <laughs> um, Randy, you, you've also got this... Um, well, you know what? Let me ask you about this. You and I sort of... Um, we met um, or became aware of each other at the very least. You know, in the early... I don't know, maybe 7, 10 years ago, around that time frame when, you know, social media was becoming hot... Toronto startup scene um, you know was, was was growing and bubbling up mm-hmm. um, you know there were meetups happening it seemed yep. like every other day you know it seemed like every Thursday evening there, there was a tech meetup yep. that or a social media meetup that you had to be at you know that everyone
1: and everybody was at those and, ones. and everybody
0: <laughs> was at those ones have we gotten old or do these things not happen anymore
1: uh I've definitely gotten old, and it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it seems harder to get out to these things. And I guess it's not, and maybe it's just that it's not the same group getting together all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, every time I go to these, everyone seems to be seems to be younger. <laughs> yeah, uh, and the events seem to be really, actually really focused and less. Um, anything, anything could happen, type of mm-hmm. thing, and then less open conversation. It's more about a, you know, some networking, and then there's a presentation, and then there's a demo, and then there's more networking after.
0: Yeah, this. yeah. It's. I almost miss those days.
1: Uh, I definitely miss those yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there. I I think back to a, a couple of the, of of events in particular. I mean, there's one that say what, which is was was it say what in 2008. I think Dave Delaney actually organized it, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a lot of people who were who were at that event that I didn't even realize were at that event. But there, I mean, that's probably one of the catalysts of me meeting a lot of people all at one one time. Yeah. There's, there's and then out of that, other things happened. Just and there was this hot two or three months where there was that event in November, and then there was HoHoTo the first Ho the, like the first HoHoTo. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of people you know met up again at that point. Then I think there was a Twestival <laughs> after that. Wow. And uh, yeah, so everybody was coming together, and that 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 community was widening out very quick. But you know the the thing that was connecting all those people at that time was Twitter. And Twitter had had come out the year before Mm -hmm. uh, and kind of been popularized at South by Southwest. And a lot of people who had been there brought it back. And then it took a while for everyone to to sort of get in with that. But there was a lot like day, all day long, all night long discussion amongst a community of people on Twitter. Yeah. So all these people you were meeting and what everybody did at these meetups was, hey, I know you from Twitter. It was almost like you never asked anybody for their phone number anymore,
0: you just asked everyone for their Twitter handle,
1: yeah, and that that, that <laughs> this was when uh, Facebook wasn't around, so you weren't actually seeing photos of everything they had done in their in their lives during that day, so there was still a lot of things to discuss when you got together, yeah, but I mean the meetups actually grew out of those Twitter discussions
0: so your thoughts your your thoughts on um, your thoughts on Twitter today they seem to be going through a
1: a crisis a stagnation <laughs>
0: yeah and and i and it's it's interesting
1: because and i'm as guilty as anyone for just sharing a lot of links on there and almost using it as a repository for for bookmarking yeah. interesting things
0: but is it are they trying to be something that they are essentially not or you know are, have they fallen into you know as a public company and their shareholders always want growth 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 um, are they just is it just you know what Twitter is is what it is and it's not meant to be something different?
1: Well, I think um, well, I think it's one of those cases of they just missed the boat and Facebook just blew by them because the Facebook news feed is nothing more than Twitter. At, know, it, the, at its essence, I mean, there's a lot more features going on there, but there is a mm-hmm. stream of your friends posting stuff that's happening in the middle of the experience and and. Uh, people who are old enough to know Facebook when they first went on, Facebook didn't have that when you first went on it. And yeah. you'd be over to Twitter for this, and you'd be over to Facebook to, I mean, God knows what we were doing on Facebook at that time. No,
0: you're, you're totally, it's funny because I will
1: make. We're f- posting photo albums of tweet-ups,
0: <laughs> basically. I was making fun of people. I, I, I still remember, uh, you know, ribbing my wife um, to say, Minaz, you, you, that's not something you put on Facebook. That's, that's a twitter thing you're supposed to do
1: and or it might be a LinkedIn thing you're not supposed to do on Facebook <laughs> yeah it's
0: oh don't get me started on linkedin that's 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 starting to become just a uh, just a a wash with this crap that needs to leave right you know um but uh yeah i'm 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 hoping that there is still a Twitter like a year from now or two years from now
1: well i don't see any reason why it would go away I mean I mean I go there and there's plenty of people who are still there.
0: You know what there's plenty <laughs> but I but I don't what? see the
1: conversations. I, and yeah. I don't know whether it's because there's I'm following too many people. I mean uh, last year I unfollowed, you know, a couple thousand people because mm-hmm. I mean everyone used to you follow people they'd follow you back. That was the <laughs> the etiquette yeah. if and and uh, yeah, I unfollowed a bunch of people, hoping that it would create a better experience for me to actually see these things in my stream. But I mean, just other other things are taking up that time. I mean, I really enjoy Instagram for mm-hmm. for going back and forth. Uh, I have a couple of Instagram accounts which I play with. Um, I mean, you only get so many ti- so much time in the day to just dedicate to you know sitting looking at your phone or to be on the computer. I mean, you got other people to associate with. We have families and yeah. stuff like that.
0: So. Absolutely. What what is Randy doing? What are you doing? It's funny to talk to you that you're not here. But what's what's up and coming for you? What what are you excited about next for yourself?
1: Uh, for the past uh, few weeks, we've been playing around with a lot of virtual reality. Mm. Uh, uh, a few of our, our partners have been in the office uh, with Oculus Rifts, and uh, you know <laughs> we have a lot of Google Cardboards laying around, so becoming familiar with what might be or some way to use virtual reality besides just you know running ads on it.
0: Absolutely. So trying to
1: create st- storytelling experiences or some something there besides so I, just using it for gaming, which you know in the end might be what it's what it's more perfect for.
0: So I need to I need to promote this thing that I was at um, on Sunday. So if, uh, you know friends of mine have started this this organization that really essentially helps those people. To, it's called the Together Project, and you can check it out at togetherproject.ca but really it's helping those people who've been sponsored by the government as, as refugees uh, to come into Canada as, as immigrants. Um, who, So I, I didn't realize this, but there's a different experience that these people have if they were privately sponsored versus if they are sponsored by the government. If they're sponsored by the government, it's literally they're here, they get put in a hotel, and they're almost left for, okay, now go and figure it make out. Make your own
1: way, right? you terrible.
0: Yeah, when you're privately sponsored, you've got like a support system there that will welcome you, that will find a place for you to live. They will sh- show you the neighborhood. They will show you where the, your doctor's is, where the schools are. They'll help your kids get registered in school. They will help you find a job. They will like literally take care of you from beginning to end. And part of that, you know, you develop, you know, lifelong friendships and stuff. What the Together Project is doing is it's sort of filling that gap um, for those who are sponsored by the government, anyhow, when I was there, um, I had an opportunity to you know put on one of these uh, it was the Samsung version the samsung VR yeah uh, yeah, the gear ha- yeah uh, gear um, and experience uh, something called the sidra project siDRA and you can go to the sidra and it was really it took us into um, it was it was an eight minute long uh, experience mm-hmm. Uh, and narrated by, uh, I don't know, she must have been in grade four, grade five, uh, by a refugee. in, uh, So a Syrian refugee in the biggest refugee camp in Oman. Okay. okay. Um, and it was eight minutes of holy crap. Um, literally, it, it took you to a place where you might see on the news for 30 seconds, a 30-second clip um, of what one of these refugee camps is. But to spend eight minutes with her.
1: You know, immersed in the experience all around you. Her,
0: this is a tiny studio. Her home was the size of the studio. Right. Um, their, their schools, they have schools there. They have all of these things. You, and you go, oh, it doesn't seem bad. But this is like they've been torn away from their home and are spending it in a, I know everyone loves camping, but can you imagine like your whole life is there and and you can't go back into town to get stuff, you know? Um, when when I used, you know, the, the Samsung gear for that, to, to experience that, I go, you know, this is one of the things that I think is good for with some sort of you know educational aspects, yes. taking people to places, whether it is, you know, taking kids today to to where the dinosaurs roamed and seeing how that lived. Uh, how 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 life was like then? Obviously not for humans, but for the dinosaurs. Right. Well, d- um, didn't humans ride dinosaurs? Exa- exactly right. It wasn't like Flintstones. Yes, yeah. uh, but you know things like the Sidra Project and other things like that, taking people to places where they'll never go. Right. You know, physically, um, I think is very
1: very cool. Yeah, there's one neat experience that uh, we were looking at from Tom Shoes, and uh, not because okay. yeah, the, yeah. the, the I mean. They talk on their website and kind of everyone knows that you know you buy a pair of shoes and they donate a pair of shoes to you know, right. someone in a, a poor country. Um, but what this VR experience was, and I think you can go to on YouTube and get kind of a 360 video version of it, but it actually took you on one of the giving trips. So you, you, oh. you were on the plane coming in, you got it, you were in the, the, the jeep coming in, and then you got to experience uh the volunteers who were giving out the shoes to the kids, and then. Uh, much like what you just talked about, the the kids took them took the uh, viewer to where they lived, and all this time you were in this immersive experience. But you could you could spin around and you know really see, uh, well not really see because you can't really <laughs> do when you're there, yeah, uh, unless you're there. But I mean it gave you a much more immersive experience than if you were just watching a video.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Randy, thanks for this, man. Hey, no problem. How's it been? Good.
1: It's been awesome.
0: Awesome, man. I really really appreciate it. Part one, right? This is part short. <laughs> We'll do part two soon. All right. Cool. Thank you.